is truth talk by grace alone through faith alone through scripture alone in christ alone to the glory of god alone this solar brother is not alone welcome back everyone to the truth talks podcast and i am your solar brother buddy boone with me today uh is the super sleuth of uh truth talks podcast <laughs> and also the solar brother podcast his name is kelly gallagher how you doing sir Man, I'm blessed to be the super sleuth. Man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man, he's uh, he's the research guru over here, doing a lot of research for the topic that we are going to continue on, and the topic is charismania. Dun, so, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to start you off actually with the song, and we want you to hear this song and cringe at every lyric. You ready for this? Well, I'm oh yeah. I'm drinking. A drinking of God's new wine. This is going to be in your head for a very long time, unfortunately. Drinking of God's new wine. All right, I can't take it anymore. I'm sorry. No, I can't that's, that's it. That's it. That's awful. I, I can't do it anymore. Well, this is actually a part of the Charismania history, and actually this particular service is actually one of the uh, very controversial services that a guy, and I can't even call him pastor, his name is Kenneth Hagin, uh, he had this, this is during their, uh, I believe it was during their Bible seminar back in 1996, and uh, this was one of those just weird turning points because you saw so many people in the actual crowd, you saw uh, Kenneth Copeland in the crowd with mm-hmm. his wife. Uh, there's another guy, and his 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 theme song is "Money Cometh to Me Now" is what mm-hmm. he says at every single service. This pastor out in California. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Word of Faith movement and what impact that has had. Also, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, some things that were mentioned actually in the last podcast um, with Pastor Matt, and then um, some 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 worship, some some of the worship mm-hmm. that's involved. So we got a lot to cover, uh, and we hope that you all are with us and uh, and hanging out. So this is going to be fun. So um, let's start off with a little bit with the uh, the Word of Faith movement. So yeah. uh, Ken, uh, Kelly, I'm just I'm almost called you Kenneth. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're not Kenneth. Good. In any way, <laughs> you are definitely Kelly. Can you give me uh, kind of some 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 things that you were uh, researching and came up with as far as the Word of Faith is concerned? Yeah. So I boiled down the definition of uh, the Word of Faith movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Word of Faith movement or the Word Faith movement. Uh, the name is very revealing of what it's all about. So in essence, people who uh, subscribe to this line of charismania believe that by our words, we can harness the power of faith to bring things into existence or to make things happen. Hmm. Yes. That is crazy. Yeah. So we can, uh, you know, say money come now or coronavirus go so we're speaking to (laughs) spirits and we're commanding spirits around we're commanding god around we're commanding money and physical things around so it plays into a lot of the metaphysical cults um it has historical ties all the way back to the new thought movement and uh even scientology which we'll get into that a little bit but um yeah so that's crazy so so here's one one of the things that I have actually been kind of looking at. Uh, there's another um, there's another uh, aspect to that because Charles Finney, as we all mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, have, have we've been talking about uh, recently. Uh, Charles Finney is one of the folks that uh, is basically the influence of what we would call Keswick theology. So uh, Charles Charles Finney uh, and and this is really weird for me, especially because the last church that I was at was actually a United Methodist Church, mm-hmm. and uh, the pastor there was very much, which would make sense, uh, very much uh, along and aligned with the teachings of John Wesley. But John Wesley, Charles Finney, Hannah Whitehall Smith, 
uh, some of those were the people that actually influenced Keswick theology mm. and, uh, and, and how it came about from that whole, uh, from their ideas, also going into uh, certain institutes like the Moody Bible Institute mm. and Dallas Theological Seminary, which actually surprised me as well. Um, but here's the thing. When all of these things kind of like, you know, kind of came to the forefront, um, a lot of these things were in, in, injected into different areas. So what you the, def, the definition you just gave, that would definitely be something that um, Norman Vincent Peale, uh, who wrote the book, The Power of Positive Thinking, that would have been his theme song, mm-hmm. just speaking things into existence. So it's like, I'm, I'm going to say it. And now here's the irony of that. And this has completely took me by surprise. Lately, the one thing that people have been saying a lot, and they have been saying this from the mountaintops, whether you be in church or whether you be out of church, is I'm going to, the word is, the, the buzzword is manifest. Mm. I'm going mm-hmm. to manifest this. So you go on any social media uh, platform right now and go through the hashtag manifest, you won't just see you know, a Hindu person that's doing yoga or, you know, some, some, you know, some, I call them off brand religion talking about manifesting. This is in the churches. Yeah. The churches are talking about, you need to sit and you need to manifest or visualize what is going on. So it's not just about what you're saying, like your definition. Mm -hmm. It's also about the actual like thinking through the process and visualizing yourself winning and, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things. Man, as I was studying this stuff, extremely scary to me. Yeah. Extremely scary to me. Yeah. And uh, going into the whole idea of manifesting and speaking into existence, uh, the drive is hardly ever, I would say, it almost never the glory of God. So oh, the in, the intention of this is health, wealth, prosperity, mm-hmm. the temporal blessings that you can experience in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of these faith teachers, they'll get uh, these teachings from Genesis, from the beginning when God is speaking things into existence. It's and crazy. I've heard it said that if God is speaking to the to the uh, the waters and to the land and bringing things up and making human beings, we can speak positivity into our lives and let something good happen in this world. Like new cars, Lamborghinis, houses, like it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, just the kind of, uh, you know, the, the insane steps that people are taking with scripture to say that, that God created the world with his words. Therefore we can create things with our words yeah, you know, it's it's so insane. not just that part, but also the part where you would actually be looking at. Um, uh, I think Kenneth Copeland was the one that was talking about it because he was talking. And, and then this also ties into the little God's theology. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he talked about it. Uh, Creflo Dollar talked about it. Uh, we are little gods is what he mm-hmm. would always say. And since we are little gods, speaking things into existence is okay. It's right. it's what we're supposed to do. You know who else talks about little gods? Hmm. Islam. Mm. <laughs> There's a sect of Islam that talks about uh, we are, you know, uh, a gods. So they would, and it was, it was a thing back in, in like the 90s in hip hop. Like you mm-hmm. would talk to people like, what's up, God? Like that's what you would say. Mm. And like, all of this stuff is tying in, and and the I think the I think my struggle is that when we don't sit and critically think about these things, and you know when I say critically think about it, I mean thinking through a biblical lens of meditating mm-hmm. through scripture. It's like if you see something pop up and you and you're trying to align, you need to you need to see what scripture says about it, not try to align it with scripture, but seeing what scripture says about it, especially when. You see all of these people talking about, you know, uh, you know, just just money cometh to me. Right. Like, where is that in Scripture? Mm-hmm. Where is where do you see money cometh in Scripture? I have yet to see it actually say money cometh in Scripture. And the reason why, it's, you know, it's it's so important is because this is stuff that gets put in our heads 
uh, so, so easily. And, you know, we don't even think through like the, 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 um, uh, I would say, what is it called? The, uh, the consequences mm-hmm. of this thinking stuff that is not, you know, uh, biblical, you know, Philippians, yeah. you know, Philippians four, you know, think on these things. Right. Is any of that yeah, and any of that pointing to you? Mm. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pointing outside of yourself, which is which is Christ pointing to Christ is, is what you would uh, be looking at. I think that guy's name was Leroy Thompson. Mm. I think that's what his name was. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to share something um, from Gloria Copeland, the wife of Kenneth Copeland. Mm-hmm. Um, she writes in, in one of her books pertaining to Mark 1030. You know, I'll go ahead, I'll read it in context. I'll try to give her the best benefit of the doubt, but I don't think it will go too far. It's crazy. So Mark 10, 28, and I'll read through uh, verse uh, 31. Mm-hmm. So Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. So Gloria Copeland takes Mark 10.30, and she writes, Give one house and receive 100 houses, or uh, one house worth 100 times as much as that house. Give one airplane and receive 100 times the value of that airplane. Give one car and return... Uh, and the return would furnish you a lifetime of cars. In short, Mark 10.30 is a very good deal. <laughs> I I wow. read that, and I was like, that's the most ridiculous mm-hmm. idea of like, you know, okay, so I can leave these things because I'll get more things. You know, that's not a, that's not a right intention to abandon, not at all. Uh, you know, things for the sake of the gospel and it's not abandoning things for the sake of the gospel it's giving things to rich people i.e kenneth copeland gloria copeland all these prosperity preachers and they promise you that you will get a hundred times as much as that right in this life here and now now and uh notice that gloria copeland did not mention anything about persecutions Mm -hmm. which it says that you will receive this along with persecutions. Mm-hmm. And she also didn't even uh, uh, address the most prosperous of all these things being eternal life. Yeah, She didn't address that. She was just addressing airplanes and houses and cars mm-hmm. um, and all the money associated with that, which that's just so out of, out of whack, man. It's, well, it's rough. if you think about it, it's way more appealing to get all of your stuff now, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like I was saying, I was going to play it, but I don't I don't really want uh, people to hear it because it's just it's just horrible. Um, Leroy Thompson is that one. It was one of the, those persons that I remember saying and I remember him leading his whole church. And he was at that uh, that conference that I was you know, I, I played the clip for in the beginning. He was there so that he was. Uh, so Kenneth Cope, uh, Kenneth Hagan, I'm sorry, was walking around and there was this quote unquote spirit of laughter in the place and uh a drunken spirit as well um that was in the place and i'm saying all this stuff you all can't see me but i have air quotes because right. that's really not what it was it, it if anything it was demonic uh uh influence that was there or mm-hmm. there was just no influence at all people were just faking it yeah but dysphoria yeah so you know he was you know leroy thompson was in the crowd and he was trying not to laugh and you know you kept seeing him and his wife just bust out in laughter as kenneth hagan walked by uh but mm-hmm. I, one of the clips that is is kind of that's been in my head for a long time i keep seeing him uh leroy thompson um uh just just saying to his church and leading his church and saying money cometh to me now. And then it's like, well, how does that happen? Well, 
there's this thing called the seed offering. You're mm. sowing a seed. And what uh, Gloria Copeland was talking about is you got to sow that seed so you can get that a hundredfold. And mm-hmm. I remember my old pastor, he was always saying, you know, you get it back, pressed down, shaking together and running over, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's really talking about that seed offering or or giving to the man of God. Mm-hmm. And I've mentioned it on this podcast. My old pastor had, um, I don't know if you you heard this before, but uh, he, they had an envelope that was the man of God offering. And uh, there was this one Sunday when they went, um, he went up on stage and he told everybody that he was not going to, um, he was not going to accept uh, a salary anymore. And that salary would now be taken and given to the poor is what he was saying. So take that salary, give it to the poor. And now every Sunday, whatever it is that you all wanted to give to the pastor, then that would be what his salary would be. So another person went up on stage and said, you know what, I'm going to do the same thing. And the pastor said, no, I'm going to do this by myself. So looking back on that, I'm like, yeah, there's something going on with that because why would you refuse to to do that? But it was like, no, he really wanted the money for himself. Mm. So um, this, this next part, like I was in the service, I heard him say these things, but this next part was from someone else that that first Sunday he was able to raise about a hundred thousand dollars in one Sunday. So just imagine how that would, and on the envelope was printed his face and the scripture, um, uh, that most that, you know, uh, Abraham, I'm sorry. is like, uh, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. That was what was printed on the envelope with his face. And it's kind of like, what's the purpose is the purpose. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you put your, your face on the envelope? It's becoming that, you know, instead of encouraging people to just be obedient and mm-hmm. to give money to uh, uh, to 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 the church, you know, yeah. and and not out of any type of like, you know, like pushing like mm-hmm. you don't have to do this. You know, you're doing it like when we give we give because we want to. And that's biblical. Know, it, yeah, yeah. We give because we want to, not because we feel obligated. Right. There was one Sunday where he had gone out of town, that same pastor. He went out of town and then when he came back, um, giving was low for the man of God offering. And that's what it was called, the man of God offering. And he like literally pitched a fit instead of preaching. He pitched a fit. And was angry on stage and throwing stuff. It was some flowers that were kind of dead on the side of the on the side of the uh, uh, stage. And he picked them up and threw them on the ground. He's like, "This is unacceptable." And right after the service, someone went over, picked up the flowers, and was kind of like, you know, it was really quiet. And you know, it was like he just, you know, just just like just destroyed the whole, you know, not the whole sanctuary, but just like destroyed the stage and just like walked off. Like you all know better, do better. And it's like. What was it really Whoa. about? Was it really about the the word of God and how he's supposed to be expositing the word of God and and feeding the flock, or mm-hmm. was it about himself and uh, the 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 uh, um, you know just just making sure that uh, his his pockets were fed? What what was it really about? Right. So that's kind of like an indelible mm-hmm. you know memory that I have right now. And when yeah. I see stuff like you know uh, Larry Thompson, I'm sorry, uh, Leroy Thompson and Apostle, uh, uh, he's, yeah, he's apostle. definitely not apostle. Definitely. I'm not even giving him that. <laughs> if he was a doctor because he you know did the uh, uh, did the education, then I would respect him that way. But mm-hmm. uh, the last apostle was uh, Paul. I think yeah, he was the last apostle because he was after I think it, uh, Paul or John. I thought he's the last apostle alive. John oh, was, okay. but uh, I think that Paul was the last apostle oh, assigned. Uh, assigned, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, because okay. Matthias I think was before him. Matthias, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but it. it anyway, either mm-hmm. way, you know yeah. the way that you look at it, and that's what they do. You mm-hmm. know, uh, he's he calls himself apostle. Uh, Fred Price calls himself apostle, mm-hmm. um, and you know it's it's kind of more or less this. This this word that they got from God that mm. nobody else has heard, and there yeah. it is. You know, it's put on them. And I'm yeah. this is this is this podcast is not to put down the people. Um, you know, so you know, excuse me if it, it seems that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not telling you the name of my former pastor because it, that's not important. Mm-hmm. The importance is the is 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 realizing what is going on. If you are in a church that the pastor is, it's okay for the pastor to act like that. 
Um, and you know, we can go to the scriptures and we can, I can show you exactly where it is, where, you know, uh, it, it talks about like, um, like how a pastor is supposed to act and it's not for, uh, it's not for selfish gain. It's not for him to, to say, well, you know, I deserve this or I deserve that. And, uh, the, the, and that's the issue. The issue is that we are accepting, uh, of these things all the time. Mm -hmm. And, here it is. Uh, if you look at um, uh, Titus chapter one, uh, starting at around verse, uh, let's see, seven for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. And most of the guys that you see in the word of faith movement, they definitely don't fit this description. You know, verse seven, uh, the last part. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. When you're sitting there and you're leading your church through this idea of money cometh to me and you need to give me money, you know, that's greedy for gain. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That is absolutely seeking the wrong things. Um, recently, uh, so my wife is in school currently and uh, she had this project it, it was like a so she's uh, in school with Liberty University online mm -hmm. and she had a class on church administration. Um, and so we actually had the opportunity to interview Pastor Matt um, and talk about his experience with owning a business, running a business, as opposed to like being the shepherd of a church, being, you know, like the elder of the elders and like leading, right. leading the, the church. Um, and we asked him a one of the questions was pertaining to the differences. And I think it gets so mixed up all the time when people think that church needs to be run as a business is run pertaining to the goals of money, mm. as opposed to the goals of eternal reward being through obedience to God. Wow. Like, um, you know, it, it's that experience that you had with your old pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, a, a shepherd is like, it's right for them to be supported by the church. Mm -hmm. um, so it, that's that's kind of an odd move to take a, a step away from the church supporting, but then also like calling them to like individually give him money. That's that's strange. But then also you see that a lot with traveling preachers and stuff when, you know, it's like the man of God offering, like you had said, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, we need to send this guy home with a thousand dollars and stuff. Yeah. And it's and, like a commission plea. And the, uh, the deacons that go back or the trustees, depending mm -hmm. on the church, they'll go back and count the money. I've seen this so many times. They go back, they count the money mm -hmm. and it's like, well, we need three more people to give a hundred dollars. Cause you know, we want to make sure that this is right. Well, we yeah. need some more money. We need four more people. To, they do it all the time. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it would be these small churches that maybe yeah. 20 people go to the church and they're mm -hmm. trying, literally trying to raise $2,000. So it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, this is tough for, you know, people, depending on their financial situation, to be able to do, you know, $2,000, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and, and a lot of times what happens is it, it's, it's, it's like it's not apparent. Like, they mm -hmm. don't want to look at the fact that the pastor is driving a certain type of car that mm -hmm. is not. I mean, you know, our pastor, he would love to have and I would love to have a Ford one F one fifty Raptor Raptor Raptor. Sorry. That yeah. is like, that is like my dream pickup truck. Right. I love that truck. It's amazing. You know, but he drives a minivan. He mm -hmm. said that it was humbling him, which yeah, it, it is. It, I agree. You know, mm -hmm. driving a minivan is humbling uh, for a, a grown man, especially one who grew up in West Virginia around <laughs> nothing but pickup trucks with yep. a gun rack in the back. You know, right. that's what he's, that's what he, he grew up on. So it's, it, it for really, when it comes down to it it's like what is your purpose if your mm -hmm. purpose is to serve and to do the things that are outlined in titus one and second mm -hmm. timothy then yeah you you know your your mindset is going to be completely different when it comes to money right. um but it's ironic though um when we're talking about the word of faith the first thing we talk about is money yeah because that's <laughs> that's so so prevalent mm -hmm. um you'd mentioned uh who is uh his name uh his last name is price Fred Price. Fred Price. Yeah. Um, so Fred Price, uh, I just literally had his last name. I didn't have his first name written down. Mm -hmm. um, so he wrote in one of his books, um, and I think that he was really trying to justify the, the quote-unquote uh, man of God, the pastor, the preacher, 
um, in having a lot of money and, and accruing a lot of resources and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he writes in his book, um, I think attempting to justify himself, that Jesus must have had plenty. He was never caught short. He was responsible for feeding 5,000 people at one time. And remember, he had a staff of 12 men, a, a staff of 12 men who walked with him every day. They did not work on any job and we that we have record of um, for three and a half years. For that time, he took care of all of their transportation, you know, all the plane rides that they had, uh, the food, the lodging, and clothing. He must have had something somewhere, somehow, or he could have not had a staff of 12. I I just, I couldn't believe this, this, when, is, this when I read that. Yeah. In light of Matthew 8.20. Right, and I was just pulling that up, too. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Also, um, it just came to mind when uh, Jesus sent out the disciples. Mm-hmm. He didn't send them out. He sent them out with no money. He didn't send them out with another change of clothes. You know, like he, mm-hmm. they had the clothes on their back. They were living very humbly, going from town to town, being supported by whoever was there who was willing and able to support them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he was like, all right, here's several thousands of dollars that I had from my carpentry business. Mm-hmm. Um, here you go. Like, but it, it's, they're just taking these large leaps in scripture to justify their actions. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're in a church where you are seeing, um, like men being exalted and God being diminished, there is serious issue, and you need to you need to address it when you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it's funny because uh, when um, I was first kind of coming here and looking mm-hmm. at the books that I had on my shelf, um, or like considering reading a new book, Matt would always say, "Hey." If a guy has his face on the front cover, that's probably not a good book. <laughs> and if you look at every single Joel Olstein book, his mm-hmm. face is on the front cover. Yeah. Um, and a lot of other T.D. Jakes, their face yeah, their yeah. their faces on the front cover. Mm-hmm. Because what is it really about? It's not about some type of great uh, biblical uh, exposition that they have or taking scripture, you know, from, you know, topic, you know, having a topic to write a book about and, and, and having that mm-hmm. topic, you know, uh, talked about or researched or anything like that. It's literally, literally about pointing the, you to them, to, right. to who they are. And it's almost as if you forgot what they looked like. So they have to put it on their books mm-hmm. and you have a picture of them all the time. Yeah. And anything profound or, or seemingly profound or seemingly insightful that they say mm-hmm. that they come up with themselves or maybe Jesus talked to them yeah. as, as they say uh, that they, they want to accredit that to themselves. Like you look at um, Kenneth Copeland, he comes out with new prophecies all the time and um, they are not prophecies by, by any means. They're false prophecies. They're inconsistent. They do not line up with scripture. They don't even line up with themselves. Um, he, he delivered a prophecy, um, several years ago where he, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't have this stuff written down because it's not worth writing down, Mm -hmm. but he, um, he delivered a prophecy to his church saying that Jesus, um, woke him up in the morning and, uh, like he was walking with Jesus and, and he said, uh, Kenneth and all these people are saying that I'm God. I just walked with him. So basically saying that Jesus himself is not God, but Jesus just walked with God. And then in another prophecy, Mm. Kenneth Copeland had, um, which is not a prophecy at all. I want to say that again. Um, He delivered to his church and the world by his extensive uh, media outreach um, that uh, he too is God. That, you know, the scripture that points to uh, or any time in scripture where it, it refers to God as the great I am, mm-hmm. it means God, I am being, I am God. So he's like doing all these like theological and doctrinal and scriptural backflips. Right. Well, so he's, he's saying that the I am, he's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, I whenever God says I am, you say I am too. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's funny. I thought you were going to bring up. And let me also mention mm-hmm. uh, that if you hear uh, a chainsaw in the background, just know that our pastor is from West Virginia. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This, this is the T-Bones and Taters Church. <laughs> it's T-Bones <laughs> and Taters Church. That's, that's what we have around here. Uh, no, actually, uh, um, one of our uh, deacons is actually uh, cutting down wood and, and aging wood uh, for our new pulpit that's being put in. So. I'm not going to tell you which one it is, but you know which 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 deacon it is. But you know he knows who he is, and and thank you very much for your your acts of service, brother. Oh yeah. Um. But yeah, that's what you hear in the background. So, uh. So here's the thing. Uh. I thought you were going to bring up his latest uh his two latest uh, uh prophecies. The, the first uh is that uh President Donald Trump would stay President Donald Trump uh oh, yeah. in the future, which we all know if you're listening to this podcast that. That definitely did not come into uh, nope. into fruition because now we are under President Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the other one was his video that actually got remixed uh, a ton of times uh, where he was talking about blowing away the uh, coronavirus. Yep. And that, you know, he's like, you know, get it out of here, you know, burn this thing and all this stuff. Uh, it, it Actually, for a lot of the charismatic uh charismania uh preachers that are around right now they were all prophesying that you know uh, paula white was doing it as well yeah. you know she was talking about how you know it you know the, the, the prophets or angels were coming from africa west africa somewhere to mm. to, to take i i don't know confusing what you, stuff yeah just yeah. very confusing stuff but none of that happened absolutely mm. none of that happened so um you can actually see where all of this comes from. You know, you have these pastors that, that want to uh, steal the limelight, basically. Instead of teaching what the Word of God says, it's just much easier to uh, have something about themselves uh, injected in there so that you look to that person versus looking to Scripture. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. Um, I, I can say this boldly as a member of Bellcroft Bible Church, you know, we would hate to see Matt go, but mm-hmm. if he did go, then we would be looking for another pastor that preached uh, expositorily or, mm-hmm. or preached uh, in a way that just not did not point to himself, that pointed to the scripture. You know, if me and my family were to move away from this area, we would be looking for a church that preaches the same way you can take Matt out of the equation and you can put any man in there. If he's not preaching the way that it's supposed to be preached, which is literally letting the scripture come alive and preaching the scripture, Mm -hmm. then, you know, it's not going to work. That's what you look for, you know? And, And buddy, why is that important? Why is, why is it that you want to, uh, find a church that is preaching the word expositionally and not, Com- having these like new ideas or popular ideas in culture? Well, it really comes down to the fact that what you're being fed is what you'll give to other people. That's mm-hmm. one thing. The second thing is that there's no way you can grow spiritually if you're not giving, uh, given the correct food. And uh, let's, let's, let's just take food as, as an example for that. And when I say food, I mean the, the bread of life, the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you as a, uh, a parent, you know, the, a child is born, you know, uh, let's say you and, and Darian, you know, mm-hmm. y- your kid, you know, as is being born, as she or he is being born, is a girl. She is a girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the the girl, she's still pregnant. As far as we know. <laughs> right. She. <laughs> she's still pregnant. So don't think I don't know the sex of the baby. So I, that's not my department. You know, he has a, a very close connection to that. So I'm not supposed to know. So let's say the daughter is born. And from day one, you fed that daughter. Uh, Wendy's, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Domino's, uh, and 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 let's and let's go a little healthier than that and say Olive Garden. Okay, so let's say that that's what you fed that 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 child from from birth, like literally popping out of the womb. You had a, a, a taco from Taco Bell, uh, uh, ready for that baby There's to lettuce eat. Lettuce in it. Is, it, is there lettuce? There's a little bit of lettuce in it. A little bit of lettuce in it, and and it was and sour cream because you know you want to splurge yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Would that child survive? Absolutely not. Why is that? It's not good for the child. It's not what the child needs. Mm-hmm. Um, the child needs good nutrition, which comes from sources like that fruits and vegetables, good proteins, good 
calcium and, mm-hmm. and all the likes. And and mm-hmm. and back it up even more. Like mm-hmm. when you start off as a child, you know, like all of my kids, mm-hmm. they breastfed. Yeah. So that's like the very first, you know, nutrient that you get and you're getting it from the mother you know the the, you know the the mother is the one that's breastfeeding and then you move into like mashed up peas or applesauce you know stuff like that stuff that will help that child to grow Mm -hmm. and then they get to be you know well at least me and you when we got to be teenagers all we did was sat around and literally ate boxes of cereal and milk (laughs) the whole time and bologna sandwiches but you know we would run it all off and Mm -hmm. you know that's what you do and we hated to eat broccoli we hated to eat brussels sprouts Mm -hmm. but we needed that because we can't do any any type of sports if we weren't you know doing that i remember a guy that i used to uh play basketball with this guy never drank water Mm-hmm. So he would be, and he was the high scorer on the basketball team. So he would be in the middle of the game, have to drop to the ground and call timeout because he cramps up mm-hmm. during the game. So it's like, dude, drink some water. He never liked drinking water. Yeah. So it'd be, you know, bottles of water on the bench. Never <laughs> drink that. Now during halftime, we would always have orange slices. Mm-hmm. So we would eat orange slices, but he would never drink water. It's like, dude, drink water. You won't cramp up. Yeah. And that's exactly why it's important for you to be in a godly church that mm-hmm. is preaching the word, not nece- not this, you know, uh, watered down uh, uh, religious, you know, uh, 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 preaching that a lot of uh, mm-hmm. uh, churches do right now, where it has to do with you know, inserting the culture mm-hmm. into the scriptures. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing that, um, that, that pastor Matt said at our last men's Bible study, which, uh, was actually a quote from, hold on a second. It was a quote from, uh, John Knox and it really, uh, was, it really hit me hard. And here was the quote, if I can find it, the quote was from John Knox and John Knox was, he was talking about how, uh, the, um, society is affected, uh, by a church. It says a reformed church equals a revived society or mm. revived country. Yeah. And and that's the thing. A lot of people think that, you know, a pastor is supposed to stand up there and preach about, you know, social justice and, mm. you know, how black lives matter and, you know, how, uh, you know, uh, the president is not doing or is doing what he's supposed mm-hmm. to doing. And I'm not just talking about like uh, churches that would be considered uh uh, a white church, you know, mm-hmm. or a black church, you know, you, you, the black church will talk bad about president Trump. The white church will talk bad about president Biden. No, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about that. You know, I am, well, I am talking in that, in both their directions because right. you know, what are you doing? One, number one, uh, scripture already talks about honoring the emperor, mm-hmm. you know, that that's, that let's start there. And that's been my conviction, you know, for a while, because that's the series that pastor Matt is in uh, talking about government. Um, but you know, more than anything, the scripture itself, they don't need anybody to advocate for them. Mm-hmm. Neither do the scriptures need anybody to add anything or take away. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I'm sorry, man. I'm talking a lot. No, no, no. That was good. That was good. <laughs> that was really good and very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the modern church, you know, um, is feeding the sheep fast food. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to the word of faith movement, that fast food is poisoned. Oh, man. And like you got Kenneth Hagin and he's not even speaking. He's walking around and laughing mm-hmm. and knocking people over. And then you have Joel Osteen telling everybody everything's going to be all right while well, everybody's heading to to hell mm-hmm. um, apart from Christ. Um, but he's saying, you know, just by the power of positive thinking, good things can happen in your life. If you just, if you just speak it into existence or you think positive thoughts mm-hmm. and none of that stuff is helpful. That's, that's extremely detrimental to the church. Um, Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, I want to go into also as we're talking, Excuse me about word of faith. Um, the Keswick theology is another thing, and this is actually from uh, Ligonier Ministries website uh, talking about uh, specifically Keswick uh, theology. And uh, here's what they say, and I'll just read this. Um, it's a few things that are actually pretty cool in here. Uh, Keswick theology, however, is not biblically sound. Here are just a few of the reasons why. One disjunction. It creates two categories of Christians. This is the fundamental fundamental linchpin issue. 
Uh, two, perfectionism. It portrays a shallow and incomplete view of sin in the Christian life. Three, quietism. It tends to emphasize passivity, not activity. Four, Pelagianism. It tends to portray, uh, portray the Christian's free will as an autonomous uh, starting and stopping sanctification Five, methodology. It tends to use superficial formulas for instantaneous satisfaction, and that's that's a big thing in the word of faith. Six, impossibility. It tends to result in disillusionment and frustration for the have-nots. And seven, spin. It tends to misinterpret personal experiences. Uh, you can tell that Keswick theology has influenced people when you hear Christian testimony like this. I was saved when I was eight years old and I surrendered to Christ when I was 17. And here's the mm. thing. What happens is there are a, a slew of people, plethora of people that are in a lot of word of faith type churches. And they have this notion that what they are doing is they're stepping in. And this is the first step. So this is salvation. So um, the reason why Matt even brought this up last time is I was asking about rededicating your life. Yes. And the rededication, you know, from my perspective was, yeah, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I got saved when I was young. I was backslidden. But now I'm actually going to take it a step further and I'm going to dedicate my life to Christ now. Mm-hmm. And it, the words here uh, says surrendered to Christ when I was 17. So that's when I really got saved. But the thing about it is it's like on all of those levels, one you can do like this crazy, like, well, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm in, I'm in church, but I'm not involved in church, you know? Mm -hmm. So my church is not really feeding me to the point where I want to progress anyway. So the food that you're getting is not just uh, not giving you the great nutrients, but like you said, it's also poisoning. And Mm -hmm. then it's completely taking you away from an aspect that a lot of churches are completely just going over which is sanctification. Right. So the justification is one thing. And they tend to, um, these churches also, when you talked about the Keswick theology, one, they wouldn't even know what Keswick theology is. Right. They wouldn't yeah. understand the influence. If I, if I explain to them the, 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 the concept, they would understand it, but they don't understand like what's behind that. They yeah. think that it's just this, you know, just this thing, but no, there is a, uh, a, 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 a standard that has been set and you're following that standard right. versus the biblical standard. So that Keswick theology um, actually says, yeah, you can be saved and not have to Mm. go through the sanctification process, which in a way, you know, you won't be able to because you're so full of that fast food. So you start to get bigger and bigger and bigger and it starts expanding. So you can't Mm. move and that food is poisonous and you're literally spiritually dying in the process and physically and spiritually dying uh, because you're not getting the joy of the duty and delight of sanctification Mm -hmm. and and training yourself to godliness. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. As, as you were uh, talking about like the, the, the separation between being saved and being a disciple Mm-hmm. Which scripture is clear? There is no separation mm-hmm. between that. It reminds me of uh, what we were most recently in in Mark, or a couple couple weeks back in the sermons on Mark, um, when we went through Mark chapter eight mm-hmm. uh, thirty four, um, where uh, Jesus summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, "If anyone wishes to come after me," so that's his starting. Mm-hmm. So if anyone wishes to follow Christ, mm-hmm. what what's next? What's the imperative? He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There is no provision for if anyone wants to come after me, if anyone desires to be saved, just say a prayer, mm-hmm. and then we'll worry about that other stuff later, mm-hmm. you committing your life to Christ, denying your flesh, asking Jesus but, into my heart. Yeah, accepting Christ, mm-hmm. yeah, um, which I would love to talk about that but before we get into that i also want to mention how the word of faith like you were saying like the word of faith movement just keeps people in that fast poisonous fast food state Mm -hmm. where you know they're not there are many who are saved who are um sheep in the word of faith movement Mm -hmm. they've heard the gospel they've just gotten lumped into things and you know they might be frustrated putting up their 
with their churches and stuff like that. I don't want to assume that all are not saved, but there are many who are not saved mm-hmm. who are being fed this teaching that, okay, now that uh, we know who Christ is, we're going to continue to gratify our flesh. Mm-hmm. And that keeps people in a state of, you know, maybe they've tasted and seen that the Lord is good or, or they absorb they observe his word and, and they're like, wow, God is is sovereign or powerful, but there's always that your your flesh desires your flesh. Mm-hmm. Your flesh does not desire the spirit. It doesn't want to yep. put off the things of the flesh. Mm-hmm. So when you're, you know, hardly ever given the gospel, if ever given the gospel, and then you're just being taught that that trash of, you know, Jesus wants you to be wealthy, healthy, prosperous. He wants you to have nice things and a nice car because Jesus likes nice things. And, you know, he was rich himself. <laughs> that is, that's absolutely false. Completely like, goes against scripture. Yeah. It's yep. so sad to see how massive of a movement the word of faith movement is. If the word of faith movement was like, you know, just a, a small sect of a, a branch off of Christianity, you know, I, I doubt that we would speak a thing about it. I, right. We might not even know about it. Nope. Um, but it is like the main, like one of the main line, the most massive mm-hmm. groups of so-called Christianity. Yep. Um, it's funny because as you were talking, I thought of this. If Christ had supported this false mm-hmm. movement of the word of faith movement, when the rich young ruler came to him. Oh, goodness. He would have said. Give me all your money and then you would sow you're sowing a seed and then you'll reap a harvest of that seed. That's what that would have been the interaction. Mm-hmm. But that was not the interaction. Nope. He told that guy to go and take all of his possessions and sell them and then come follow him. Mm-hmm. Even though the guy had falsely said, the rich young ruler falsely said that he had kept all the commandments since birth. Right. Christ looked right through that. It's like, okay, cool. Well, go ahead and sell everything mm-hmm. and then follow me. And then it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter. Like he literally is saying this, Mm -hmm. and this is the part of the Bible that these pastors will completely skip over because of the fact that they don't want to hear the fact that if I'm rich, which is what I'm asking for, which I'm manifesting, Mm -hmm. uh, air quotes, like that is not what will, you know, forget about it. I I know I won't be rich. I I know I want to be rich, but I know that I can't get into heaven if I'm rich, but I want to have everything now and that's the problem and i just realized what the time was looking like we're gonna have to come back <laughs> next next week and uh and talk about this uh so i appreciate you all listening uh if you can go and give uh each podcast whether it be the uh, solar brother podcast or the truth talks podcast a five-star review so people will be able to see that uh if you have any questions please uh email us at uh, either one uh the truth talks podcast at gmail.com or solar brother podcast at gmail.com thank you all for listening listening and now here is the gospel of Jesus Christ the gospel of Jesus Christ it all starts with God God is holy he is all high above all men and he is the ultimate set apart being that sits in the heaven and does what he pleases he is the creator and he cannot be near sin the sin or missing the mark the wrong we do that's where we come in Because we are sinful creatures and as we cannot be near God, we cannot see him. Neither can we go to heaven when we die. As a matter of fact, we are so opposite of God's holiness. Our sin deserves his wrath and we deserve to go to hell. We deserve to die for our sins, which makes us helpless. And it's really what we deserve. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. But it all makes sense, right? We have done many bad things. And the old saying, you do the crime, you do the time, fits here, correct? Even the good that we do can't cover for our bad. It's all seen the same way in God's eyes. He calls our deeds, our good deeds, filthy rags. One-time use bloody rags. That's our good deeds. So imagine our bad deeds. We are wretched. 
lost at sea. And nothing we can do can make us good enough to stand next to a holy God. Well, that is, no one but God. That's where Jesus steps up on the scene. He came to earth without fanfare, though he is a king and deserves all of it. He, a part of the Godhead, decided to make himself a baby, dependent on another person for everything. Imagine the holy God condescending to purpose two things, living the perfect life for us and dying the death that we deserved. Because of our sin, we deserve death. But because of Jesus living the perfect life on earth, he deserved life. But he chose death. Why? Because only a holy God could live perfectly and stand in our place of execution. So not only did he die for our horrible deeds, he also lived the perfect life in our place because we certainly cannot. Now we have a choice. We can hear this good news and either accept it, turn from our sin and toward the Christ and accept his free gift. That same scripture in Romans I mentioned has a second part of that verse. Here's the whole thing. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we leave this earth from our physical bodies, we stand at the judgment throne of God with our spiritual bodies. At that point, we are judged on what we did. Did we accept the easy way to live or the difficult way to live? Imagine there are two roads in front of you, a fork in the road, if you will. One side has a smoothed out path, no bumps, and the dirt is packed down for a smooth journey. Very wide road and a comfortable, easy walk. You can easily see the end of that road. And it is a cliff that falls into what can only be described as an abyss. There is no way around it. It is certain death. The other path is rocky and hard to walk. Very narrow and it goes uphill, just adding to the difficulty. You can see the end of that path. It leads to a place of peace, a long ways away and a very bright light at the top of the hill. And there is a cross. Most people will choose the easy path, a few the hard path. The question is, which will you choose? I implore you to turn away from the easy path and choose the hard way. Or, in, in other words, repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This same Lord is Lord over all, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10.13 Saved from what? I'm glad you asked. Saved from God's wrath and judgment. Ultimately, saved from our sin that so easily entangles and this choice is yours to reject these words and choose the easy path or repent and believe and choose the path that will be hard now, but brings life later. Thanks for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to thetruthtalkspodcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at thetruthtalkspodcast. And visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.